When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How does the offer of free beer sound to you? As a loyal listener of the show, we'd like to reward you with just that. Free beer. Thanks to our friends at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash city and cover just four ninety five for the postage. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Roth, I'm back in the chair. Disappointing, unhappy, dismayed. Just three words to describe one of my guests this week. Welcome back to Tony Newgrosh. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I haven't heard anyone describing my other guests at all recently, but they're welcome all the same. My old mate, Steve Cox. Good evening. And a view from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Hello. Uh, listen, uh, we had Steve and Stephen this week, and we had Dave and David last week. What was next week going to bring? Who knows? Fred and Barney. Could be. Watch this space. Only one place to start, and our new bogey team, Stephen. Who would have thought a eh? Crystal Palace at home becomes our bogey team? What went wrong, Stephen? Help us, please. Oh, it's a, it was a strange game because you look at it now and you think, given the positions that both teams got themselves in, they probably should have both won um, and both will feel disappointed not to have won. And, and yet it, it was kind of symptomatic at times of, of when we've struggled this season. It was just more of the same where we, we have a lot of the ball, dominate possession, the opposition sits back and, and waits for that either set piece or counter attack and and we look incredibly panicked and vulnerable whenever the opposition come forward despite the fact we've been in total control of the game and at the same time we look kind of a bit insipid and and lacking in creativity um but to have have come from one nil down and to have got the late goals you'd have thought that that's the time to switch on and City of last season or two years ago would have won that game without any question of a doubt. Um, and this year, the, we just look a bit flaky at times. But it is kind of the blueprint for our season, isn't it, Steve? We've got this situation. We dominate possession, as Stephen said. We uh, get lots of chances. We don't take those chances. We get hit on the break. And we're not picking up the points that we were in the previous seasons. 
Yeah, I think we, we definitely look vulnerable. We seem to have a, almost like a nightmare situation, which is a, a set piece against us or a breakaway, and we just look as though we cannot defend. Um, Stephen quite rightly makes the point, we get 2-1 up, and that was the time to get the ball down the other end, keep the ball, control the ball, don't let them have the ball, go into the corner, play around with the ball, jump up and down, get Bernardo Silva to juggle with it if he was still on the pitch. But we just don't, our game management seems to have gone completely to pot. We were in control of that game for long periods, but just couldn't do anything with it come on Tony what's going on here there's for me a lack of leadership and a bit of a lack of intensity we just as we've said we just didn't really look like scoring it's all very well having all the possession in the world but we struggled to get back in the game and I think in all honesty that's the big difference between us and Liverpool this year they would not have taken their foot off the throat at that point and we are still vulnerable to back what's frustrating is let's be honest Crystal Palace Injury ravaged, had one threat, Wolf Zaha. He should have been marked out of the game for the last few minutes. And we didn't do it, did we? Cancelo went AWOL. He waltzes through. Fernandinho was unlucky. What can you do? Two all. We weren't the only team to get mugged this weekend, but it happens. But it shouldn't. It just shouldn't. That should have been a game we should have won comfortably. And I'm, as you say, frustrated. Can I, can I ask some straight questions then about what has gone wrong? Because we, we are comparing, all three of you, I think we can kind of compare this to previous seasons. Um, a number of choices for you then. We've got, is it Pep's tactics and Pep's team selection is kind of one area. Is it the not taking our chances when we have such possession? Or is it our defensive frailties? You've got to kind of choose one of those. You know, you're not, I, I know it's kind of a bit of all three, but some people have argued... If you take Liverpool as an example, they don't tend to sort of change their team around as much as maybe we have. We just come on the back of a fantastic victory and we make some fairly key changes. And some people have pointed to that. Yeah, OK, it was his 49th birthday. Maybe he was pissed. I don't know. Maybe that was partly to do with it. But, but your thoughts on... Stephen, come on. You've got to, don't sit on the fence and say, well, it's all of those three. No, I, Try I, and give us one of them I if you can. it is all of those three and we can no, go much, can't, see, we can go much more in-depth on each one. <laughs> Part of it, I actually think, is natural, and it's a natural response to what we've done over the last two years. And in a sense, the way last season ended with having to win, was it 13, 14 on the bounce, just to fend off Liverpool. And before last season, everybody said, well, you've got to do it back to back. No one does that in England. It's too difficult to go back to back. And we did it just, but we did it. And we had to put so much energy into doing it. That I think we've come back this year and it feels, and maybe this is just an external perspective, the Champions League is now the one remaining trophy we haven't won. And that's the one thing Pep hasn't done for a while and it's the one thing every City player hasn't achieved. So suddenly that's the focus and you marry that with the way that Liverpool have, have got their results this season and City at our best still wouldn't be in within touching distance of Liverpool. They've just won and won and won. And I think even that 5-10% drop-off in City's form, and as soon as you fall two points behind, five points behind, I think it, it's just a natural response to what we've done the last couple of years that means we're not at that same intensity. So your, your suggestion is actually there are four issues then. It isn't just Pep. Um, it's not just about our defensive frailties or our attack. It's this kind of a natural progression. You can't put City's drop-down to one thing. So, but I'm I'm asking you if if you had to prioritise, it's all four things, and I, I accept that as maybe the natural progression bit. 
Um, well, well, maybe we'll, we'll ask Steve then. You, you're finding it difficult to answer the question. I understand it's difficult for you. See, it's I'll, not, I'll it's not easy a, all I'll, the time. I'll throw in a fifth one. Oh, go on then. Luck. We don't no. seem to... No, we seem to have run out of luck. You look at the weekend's game. De Bruyne hit what you would have thought would have been the perfect free kick. It strikes the underside of the bar, and instead of going over the line, it comes back out again. The little things like that seem to not go our way. Now, that, that's another thing on top of that drop in intensity that's impacting a lot of things. I, I just don't think you could go for one thing, Nigel. I'm, sorry. Gl- I'm glad you're here, Tony, because I think you are the one who's going to answer one of my questions this evening. You, you're I very am. good at this. I am. They're talking nonsense. Of course they are. So, so sort them out for us. Come on. He's defensive frailty defensive frailty we've lost oh shaking of heads there we've lost the did fort. you not did you not say about two minutes ago we looked as if we weren't going to score <laughs> we've scored lots of goals i don't think scoring has been a problem i would agree with you on saturday we did look a little bit like we wouldn't score but i don't think scoring goals be problems I, I haven't got the stats in front of me but i think we've scored probably as many as we did last season uh, and when we've been good we've been very very good this season it's it's really frustrating but lack of laporte at the back Company's gone. Fernandinho, who was a superb midfield shield, is now at the back, so we have less protection. Stones is out of form. Mendy's easing his way back in. You know what? If we kept, we've kept what two clean sheets out of the last thirteen. Can, I, can I give you a stat then? As you haven't brought the stats with you this week, because you normally Please close on the stats. So on defensively, we've four more goals conceded. That's twenty-seven than the whole of last year already. So it is an issue, isn't it? It's got to be. I rest my case. That's it. So I, th- I that's, think, that's I think it. Tony's hit one point on the head with Fernandinho that I think we'd all say he's probably been our best centre-back this season. The way that he's adapted to a position he's never played before is unbelievable. But we miss him enormously in midfield. He's the best holding midfielder slash gets his foot in slash gets us playing, just controls that midfield space. And Rodri... Oh, we've looked for a while at City to, to find Fernandinho's replacement and we've been linked with so many players. Rodri's taking his time to settle, looks good at, in some games and, and looks maybe a touch slow or, or predictable in others. Gundogan isn't the same as a holding midfielder. He's good on the ball, doesn't have that defensive awareness. And, and Pep has changed them a bit. He's, he's almost paired them in the odd game and he's... He's dropped De Bruyne deeper at times, Bernardo deeper at times, and it, it's affected the whole way we attack as well. I think it can't be understated losing Fernandinho from that role, however good he's been in a different position. So sticking with the defensive frailties, Steve, just two clean sheets since the start of October. 13 games, just two clean sheets. That's not the Manchester City of old. It's, it's our defensive frailties, as my good friend Mr Newgrosh says. I, I think... Tony is absolutely right with Laporte not being in the team because our win percentage with Laporte in the team is something like 86%. Um, 85.4%. Oh, there you go. I rounded up slightly under those set. But, um, and our win without him is considerably worse, something in the region of 65%. 63%. Wow. I've go. come prepared today. You have. That makes a change. It you normally expect us to bring the stats. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I would agree on that front. I think... I would echo what Stephen says about Fernandinho not being the midfield shield that he was last season and the season before. He, he seems to have that knack of being able to stop and stifle counter-attacks without, you know, I, I always used to think of him as a smiling assassin because he'd actually trip someone over and smile as he did it. It was like, who, me, Guff? Not me. It wasn't me that did that. Um, so I think our performance on that front has dropped 
well below par. And ponderous, I would say, is my reading of Gundawan and Rodri at times. They don't really look as though they're moving the ball fast or they hang on to the ball rather too long and a high-pressing team just seems to steal it off them at the wrong moment. Can I move on from our defensive frailties? I, I, I will come back to a particular player that, that seemed to take a, a lot of stick at the weekend, and you, you all know who I'm talking about, a former England international um, whose initials are John Stones, but we'll, we'll come back to him. Uh, can I just, just point out Pep for a second? And, and it's interesting that whilst a lot of people have talked about this whole issue of Laporte's injury and, and the fact that Fernandinho's had to move back into defence and left that sort of uh, important role that he's played. What, what about Pep then? Who, who wants to kick off in terms of, do you want to have any sort of criticism levelled at him at all that we have had these defensive frailties? We haven't had the sort of, um, we haven't been scoring in the important games, had all this possession not turning into goals. So, so, so what, what blame can Pep take on this? And anybody willing to put their hand up or put their head above the parapet? Tony, your, your thoughts on Pep? Well, I think the only criticism goes back to the decision not to buy a new centre-half at the beginning of the season. Now, no one could have foreseen Laporte's injury. No one could have seen the drop-off in form of Stones and Otamendi, I suspect. But £60 million on a right-back who is not particularly defensively-minded doesn't, in hindsight, seem like the best bit of business. I don't think I would blame Pep beyond that. I thought he was genius against uh, Stretford the other week, playing without a striker. That was, I think, very brave and worked beautifully. So, clearly, he's still got it. I think he's still very much driven and got a lot of passion for the club, and I very much hope he will stay. It just hasn't worked out. A combination of everything we've said, yes, I don't think we have had the luck this year. would have been very different if that shot had gone in but I'll settle for three trophies and nine wins out of 11 it's not such a crisis is it no there's no way we can really have a go at Pep it'd be silly to to sit here and criticize him I think we're at the stage of selection with Pep now where you have no idea which team or which formation is going to turn up and we've always joked and said oh you can never guess a Pep starting 11 I think the reality is for long periods you could and if you couldn't guess the exact players, you'd know the formation. And there'd be times when it was, you know, a 4-3-3 and you would know it was going to be, take Delft two seasons ago at left-back pretty much every game or Zinchenko for the second half of last season. Now we have no idea, and it worked brilliantly against United and it worked brilliantly against Aston Villa. We've got no idea against Sheffield United whether it's going to be two strikers, one striker, or no strikers. <laughs> and you've got absolutely no idea, probably beyond De Bruyne, which of the midfielders are going to play. Stephen, I get and that. He's, but he's gone it... from a position where I was surprised that Mahrez didn't play. At the week. You know, he's full of confidence, full of form. Kyle Walker has been excellent in recent games against Zaha, completely nullifying that threat. Cancelo plays. Zinchenko will play one game and then not be on the, even on the bench for the next one. I think we're at the stage where... I don't want to say he's changing it around too much and rotating this and that, but we're at our best when we have that settled core, and I don't think we've had that for a while now. Because Donny on, on Twitter said, and he calls it, there's no gala 11. There's too much piecemeal rotation is how he puts it. Is that something you... I think it's what kind of Stephen's alluding to. I know that I don't want to... Yeah. That's not what he's, the words he's used. He'll always be the first to tell me that. But that's kind of what he's implying. Liverpool, to a certain degree, you kind of know what their gala 11 is pretty much, and they play it almost every week. Yeah, I think things have seem to have moved on this year and, and, and it 
does seem like a very unsettled squad. And by unsettled, I don't mean people that want to move on from the club. I just mean that I'm not sure exactly which eleven is going to appear on the pitch at any one time, who his favourite striker is or isn't. Is it Jesus? Is it Aguero? Is it... But we don't really know that. And I think, do you think that Pep, is do you think Pep knows? actually probably affecting the form more do you than think Pep knows? the rest of it. Um, I'm not sure he knows, actually. No. See, it's interesting. I disagree to a certain extent because my frustration has often been we don't seem to have a plan B. We play 4-3-3 and if it's not working, we just keep knocking on the same door and nothing changes. Now, we have tried with no strikers and it seems to work pretty well. We have played Aguero and Jesus up front together and it seems to have worked. So maybe he is reflecting the fact that the league has gone and he's trying different combinations to cover the fact patently we don't have the back four we would quite like at the moment. I think he's trying new things depending on the opposition because maybe 4-3-3 in that style we've played is a bit predictable and if teams put 10 men behind the ball then you know we can look predictable and slow and, and lacking in creativity but at the minute it just feels like one game it'll be three at the back with wing backs overlapping the next game will be Mares on the wing the next Mares behind the striker then two strikers then no strikers and it feels like he's just chopping and changing until he find something that works and then he'll change it for the next game whereas two seasons ago last season he'll have gone this is the formation that gets the best out of our players you will worry about us as opposed to the other way around it's i i agree that we're missing a core i think that that whatever formation we play and i take your point tony that we do at times need to change how we attack teams when they're going to put 10 men 11 men behind the ball um but we, we are missing a functioning core. There was a point where you could sit there and you would say, right, OK, we know that he's going to have David Silva on one side, he's going to have De Bruyne on the other side, you're going to have Fernandinho anchoring it, you're going to have you know, um, company at the back, he's going to be stood next to Ottoman. You could almost predict the, the, the side as a core. You didn't necessarily know how they were going to line up or the formation they were going to use or whether they were going to be interchanging all the time. And I think that's the bit that has kind of gone as opposed to... Uh, we yeah. seem to have gone back, don't we, to Pep's first season. It was very similar. Some brilliant yeah. performances, yeah. and yet we didn't defend very, very well. And I think a lot of it is there's lack of physicality in the team, isn't there? And that yeah. doesn't mean we've got the defensive screen that we should have in front of the back four, particularly, as we've said, with Fernandinho moving back there. We need a couple of monsters, don't we? I mean, it's, it's symptomatic from we never score from corners, and yet Crystal Palace just waft a ball aimlessly in the air and before we know it, a striker who's not scored in about 16 months is bulleting the ball into the back of our net. Not great. Well, that brings me on to the subject I said we would come back to. Uh, Former England international John Stones came in for quite a bit of criticism. Um, Some argue that his distribution is still sort of smooth, he's stylish on the ball, but potentially defensively he's still got those... uh, He's got an error in in his locker. Um, who wants to kick off on the John Stones debate? Is it the fact, just giving a bit of defence here to start off, uh, he hasn't played much football, he hasn't had much of a chance, he's not had a good run in the side, had a few injuries, and he needs to be given a bit of time back in the side? Or well, How do you feel, Steve? I think he's going to be one of those players that is always going to have a brain fart or so. I mean, Carl Walker can be an excellent player, but he is prone to a brain fart. I think Stone sometimes looks ponderous on the ball. That is one of the issues I have with him. He doesn't seem to be... He's a good ball player, but his positional sense seems to be a little bit out for me. He's not always in the right place at the right time or covering the right... You know, the Zaha run at the weekend, he just 
didn't see it soon enough and wasn't in the right place to stop it. Therefore, Fernandinho ended up having to try and cover the centre of the defence and unfortunately it deflected off him and in. So I, I, I'm just not sure what Stones is getting to or whether he's going to get any better no matter how many times he plays in the first team. I think that Zaha incident, if that... And, and City fans have a tendency to go, oh, if company was there and we didn't replace him. If there is no way in the 90th minute Zaha is running at you like that, 20 yards outside the box, there is no way company does not pick up a yellow card for body checking him. Do not let him get into the box. Fernandinho would pick up a yellow card. Rodri, I think, is quite good at that snide little tackle. Stones backed off and backed off and backed off and, and there'll be some who think, oh, that's buying yourself time. Everyone else gets back into position. Zaha's a brilliant player. He's now in the box, one-on-one with Stones, step over, cross, who knows what can happen. I, I've, I've thought for... I've defended him for a long time. As everyone else... I, I've always said he's the type of player when he has a good game, no one mentions it. When he makes a mistake, everyone piles on him. And for a long time, I've tried to defend him and, and stick up for what his qualities are. And I really don't want to say this based on a mistake at the weekend or, or a poor game that he had. For me, I think it's become clear over the last few weeks, last few months maybe, that he's not developed as he should have done. And he's not that commanding centre-back that is quite at City's level. Good player. And I think when you look at some defenders who are in the England squad, he, he's definitely on a par with them. But he's not kicked on at City. And a centre-back role under Pep is really demanding. We know that because of the way we play. I don't think Stones, as, as Steve said, reads the game well enough, positions himself well enough. I don't think he's quite quick enough to recover from mistakes when he makes them. He's, what, six foot four, but not great in the air. I just think maybe this is the last year we'll, we'll see Stones at City and probably best for him to move on. So the, the counter-argument is that he gets... Uh, through his injuries, he plays a few more games. He came to City on, you know, paid a lot of money for him, and actually, he's kind of a future England captain. People were talking uh, in those days. But he I think could, that's impro- what we he were could improve maybe two Pep. or three years ago, and and he's had a lot of time working with Pep and to understand the role. and And I think people slate Otamendi because he's got a mistake in him, and of course he does. But his positional awareness is is quite good. He dominates in the air for someone of his size. But he's not got as much raw ability as Stones, and I think that's part of the frustration. You know what a good player he could be, but what's he been at City now? Three, four years? Has he really kicked on into that commanding centre-back? I'm not sure. It sounds like one of my old school reports, that. Tell you. <laughs> well, six foot four. I think you're being a bit harsh. A little bit, perhaps, because I thought the whole of the back four really looked a little bit culpable. Uh, Mendy, I judge Mendy on how many times I scream Mendy during the game, and it was only sorry, it was only once on Saturday. I thought he had a good game. He did yeah. all right, made a goal, but he's also got errors in him, hasn't he? Cancelo, as I say, he should have been the one taking out Zaha. Quite frankly, Stones was never going to win a foot race in the 90th minute when he apparently was carrying an injury. So we now believe from Pep, believe it or not, as you may. Um, and Fernandinho, as we say, does a great job for the team. But would you feel a lot happier with Laporte playing alongside Stones? I think the two of those could develop into a good partnership. As, as and when Laporte is back fit, who would be your centre-back pairing? I think you've got to give Stones the chance. You've got to. And Fernandinho should be where he belongs, in front of the back four. See, I'm, I, I, I agree with you on the Laporte bit. Laporte is by far our best central defender. However... 
I would say our second best central defender is not Fernandinho at the moment. It's probably either Garcia and potentially longer term someone like Howard Bellist because I think they'll carry the strength and the gravitas with him. I, I honestly, I, I've kind of, I like John Stones. I like his attitude, but he need he he's not in the time that Laporte's been there. Laporte has moved on in so many more leaps and bounds than Stones has in a longer period of time. I just can't see that he's going to mould him into anything. Well, we believe Laporte uh, could well play a part at the weekend at Fulham, whether he starts on the bench. Um, it looks so easy. He's on his way back. We've obviously seen him training and so on. Uh, so your view, Steve, quite clearly is the league's gone, so let's try one of the youngsters. Laporte yeah. comes back fully fit. How do you feel about that? Sort of maybe Garcia's probably head of Harwood Bellis at the moment. Yeah, I, I think so, and I think... Harwood Bellis being at fault for Port Vale's goal in, in the cup won't help him at all. I, I'd be surprised maybe if we see him the rest of this he season. Might learn from that, though. I'd... Yeah, I, he's he's got ability, yeah. but um, I think we'll. I'd love to see Garcia given more of a chance. Looks very composed every time we've seen him. I think it will be Fernandinho and Laporte against Real Madrid. I think Pep will stick with Fernandinho at the back, probably Rodri in midfield, and whether he puts Gundogan in as another shield, we'll see. But I I think. Stones, the way Pep was having a go at him all game, the mistake, I'd, I'd just be surprised if we see him in big games again this season. Can we go up top then and, and just talk? You guys weren't here last week. We had the opportunity to talk about our record-breaking striker. Uh, one Sergio Aguero broke another record or, or got another milestone, I should say, at the weekend. Goals 250 and 251. Tony, uh, an opportunity to... Uh, Say a few words about the great Sergio. There's not much more to say, really, is there? He has been a wonderful servant. I was there in his debut in the Charity Shield in 2012, was it? I think so. 11. Yeah. 2011, because yeah, he scored. Quite right, 11-12 season. Thank you, Stephen. Um, we knew nothing about him at the time. He certainly wasn't a, a sort of a Ronaldo of his time. He was someone we picked relatively out of obscurity. Already we paid £38 million for him, and he's just been... A legend, entirely consistent. He just gets on, scores goals, no aggravation. I know he had a bit of a to-do with Pep, but they seem to have kissed and made up. And I would love him to stay for a very, very long time. He will be irreplaceable. He's not, though, is he? He's only got a couple of years left, I think, hasn't he? Do you reckon? Well, I don't know. The way he's playing at the moment, he doesn't look like his, his, his performances aren't dropping at all. He's still hitting the net with regularity. He's still moving very fluidly. And actually, one thing, touch wood... He seems to have got rid of his injury proneness. The injuries he has had have been very short in length in the, the last few months. So, I mean, I can't laud him enough. He's a, an amazing player. A few words on Sergio Stephen? He's a goal machine. Every chance that we have, you'd want to fall to him. Um, and I think, look, he's a brilliant player, but he's kicked on again under Pep and he's changed the way that he plays, which is a sign of, of that mentality that the very best have. He really looks up for it as well, doesn't he? Yeah. He really looks up for it. I mean, when he scored on the weekend, you could tell there was a man who was still very driven. But see, even I think it was um, was it when Villa scored a last minute goal penalty mm. against us. He looked heartbroken when that goal <laughs> went in, and that was six one. And of course, we should we should as a team take that drive to keep a clean sheet. And Aguero looked yeah re- really upset, which you know he just buys into it completely now. Mm. It was interesting, he was substituted against Wolves after, what was it, 12 minutes? And you'd have thought that could have been the perfect opportunity for a bit of petulance. But he accepted it, he's gone on with it, he really seems to have grown up in that sense as well. But equally, I think Jesus has kicked on this season, especially the last few months looks a 
more rounded, I think, as a player. What we always used to say about him was, oh, he runs a lot and he works really hard and he presses defenders and he stretches them. I think he's added that touch of quality to his game in recent weeks. The ball in for Aguero's first goal was perfect. If De Bruyne does that, people talk about it for weeks. Um, I think he's really stepped up this season. I agree. Jesus is an amazing player. He's he's certainly thinking more now. Um, And his English has got better as well. Before we take a break, uh, I I hesitate to mention VAR, but I've done it now, and penalties and handballs. VAR to blame or the stupid handball law that's been brought in this season? Any any debate about that? VAR did its job perfectly, as it often does. I really like VAR, and I'm going to get slated for that. (laughs) VAR was applying the laws. Uh, it's the handball law um, that I can un- I can understand the issue completely. His arms away from his body, everyone looks at that and goes, "It's handball." But it's you know if if it bounces off another part of the body onto the arm, then it's not deliberate. So VAR is applying the law, the handball law, and I think the offside law people probably have an issue with. But it it irks me a little bit when people go, oh, "VAR has denied that penalty." It hasn't. It's just applying the laws of the game with technology to help it. I asked the question deliberately on the point of Stephen Allwise loving VAR. Liking, not loving. Loving. We'll take a quick break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. Welcome back. Uh, Darren Watson, thank you very much for your question, uh, which is all around should we be concerned with all the stupid points we're dropping? Of course we should, but it's more about kind of Liverpool and their unassailable lead and this whole focus on the Champions League, really, Stephen. Your your thoughts on that, of what Darren says? Yeah, I mean... Look, for me, the league has definitely gone. Unless Liverpool have a massive, massive collapse and we win every single game, we're not going to get back into the Premier League race with them. So I I actually think that we should move our focus to the Champions League because that's the one thing we haven't managed to win yet. So I guess my argument with this would be, is there something in using some of the youngsters more in the league team and saving the sort of slightly older pensioners for the Champions League or the more experienced players for the Champions League, putting them at less potentially less risk of, of injury. It would give us a good opportunity to bed the youngsters in, but also put more of our resources into the Champions League. Tony Newgrosh. It's fine when it works, isn't it? There's nothing that breeds success more than success. You get on a, a winning run and everyone's happy. You play a few youngsters and you lose a couple of games, all of a sudden it's a very different club and atmosphere. So I hear you, it's very difficult to get that balance right. Yep. 
Um, let's uh, ask one other Twitter question. We always ask the questions. We're at City Podcast, of course, so thank you for those that have asked questions. And our good friend Mark Allen has asked one, which is about, just going back to the, the Palace game before we move on, is are, are we concerned that teams like Palace have found us out slightly? Sort of, uh, I think you made the point earlier, Tony, that you know, every time the opposition get a set piece, we're, we're always a bit concerned. But are, are teams, is that kind of our fifth, I don't know what number we're up to, is that our fifth or sixth reason uh, that City aren't doing quite so well? Is it, is it teams have now started to find us out? Perhaps. I think there's certainly an element where, as I said before, lacking a little bit physically and certainly lack height. And teams have exploited that against us. It's always going to happen. I think teams will find out how to play against Liverpool a little bit better over the next year, we hope. So we will evolve, and I'm sure Pep will think of another cunning plan involving no strikers or no goalkeeper. I don't know, whatever works, but we'll find a way. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the other thing is we seem to be... I see more and more negativity now on Twitter and Facebook than I've seen in a long time about the team, and I find that a little bit frustrating, having watched City since about 1974... I've kind of seen some dross in my time. I seem to remember Paul Dickoff once being asked, you know, where were you when we were shit? And he said, I was playing, mate. Um, <laughs> you know, that, 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 for me, illustrates City perfectly. We've set ourselves a rather high bar now. You're right, teams do know how to play us. If you put 11 men behind the ball and pack the area, it's going to be bloody difficult to get the ball through it to the net so yes we do need to find different strategies for actually dragging teams out or getting through them and I, I get that yeah Newcastle is a good example they set up like um, you know they, they, they packed everybody into the area of two banks of, of four and that's it very very hard to break them down and that is a way to play us and it does frustrate us yeah, but we drew two all there didn't we so the problem is not so much scoring the goals as we no, said it's I, I, conceding yeah, yeah, that, well that's true but then you kind of if you spend a lot of time getting frustrated at trying to break a team down, you are quite often susceptible to the, the breakaway goal. Let's talk. Let's look forward, should we? We've got uh, a midweek fixture this week uh, away at Sheffield United. Anybody know the last time we played them in the Premier League? Anybody want to hazard a guess when that was? I guess I reckon you were there, Stephen, all wise. In the Premier League, it would have yeah. been just before Christmas or just after Christmas this year. Oh, very good. At, Bram- at Bramall Lane. Um, Go on, tell us. Uh, it, was, it was 2006 Boxing Day, and it was a 1-0 victory, and Superman, Stephen Ireland, scored the winner. Hey. 12 oh. minutes from time. Tell you what, you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're on a roll today. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. <clears throat> and we played them twice um, else in the Premier League, and we lost, sorry, we won 1-0 and drew 0-0, I think, in the other game. So I don't know why we don't have you on more often, actually, Steve. I, I, it's probably my... Horrible personality, Nigel. It probably is, yeah. Uh, so what's going to happen this week, then? The league's gone. Does it matter? Is it important? Are we going to play all the kids? All these questions, Tony. You know what? It's slightly odd, but I'm actually enjoying this season more in the sense that I can just enjoy each game. Tomorrow should be a good game of football. They've been brilliant, Sheffield United, haven't they? Full credit to them. They'll have a real go. They won't just defend, I'm sure. As we said, I'm, I've no idea what team Pep's going to play. He's a couple of injuries, he alleges. We'll see. But I think we'll. sometimes it suits us better playing away from home. We'll, we'll maybe, I think, play Jesus and Aguero up. And I think we will win handsomely. There's my prediction. It's interesting, just on, on the injuries, I think we've heard today that uh, Mendy is an injury again, or he's tired or something. Shock news. Shock news. Mendy's played three games yes. on the trot and he's knackered. Yes. 
It must be difficult, mustn't it, being a professional footballer, playing all those games, one after another? Terrible for them. Bless Terrible. him. We wish, we wish, listen... I'm, we'll have I'm, a whip round, yeah? Oh, well, I don't think he needs the money. I just think we wish him well to, on, okay. in his recovery because, obviously, he must be exhausted. I mean, that's ridiculous. Stephen, three, oh, three, ga- three games on the trot. What's up with him? Come on, he's been too he's bloody played very well. But was he, was he I think again? we'll see... I'm just going to ignore you. I think we'll see Zinchenko probably come in. I think Otamendi, Walker will probably come in. Rodri maybe in midfield. You'd, you'd love to see Foden given a chance. Um, we know David Silva's not going to be here next year and, and he's, his form has drifted a little bit this season. Um, I, I am Sterling as well has not, not been on at his best for, for a while now. I think we might see Jesus up front um, and Aguero potentially on the bench, but Mares might come in. We don't know. This, <laughs> this don't, is the thing. We don't we've have discussed a clue. This before. Bernard, I forgot about Bernardo. <laughs> um, and then you've got a cup game at, at the weekend after, so he might see that as a chance to to give someone like Garcia a chance. So yeah, I think it might suit us that Sheffield United are probably going to be a bit more open at home than they would be at, at the Etihad. As Tony said, what a breath of fresh air they've been this season. Playing a different way, totally unfancied, but sticking to their principles and, and fair play to them for, for what they've achieved so far this season. I, I think with their fans at home, they might just open up a little bit more and it might be, hopefully, could be something like the Aston Villa game where they have a go and, and we just pick them off. So, S- Stephen's ignoring me. I'm sure you won't, Steve. You've got far more respect Sorry? for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got uh, Mendy who's tired after three games and we've got Stones has picked up an injury. I wonder if that's just a convenient way of saying that Stones has been dropped. We will never know. Maybe I've been just know. too cynical we in my know. old age. But your you're thoughts are not cynical, Nigel. No. Um, yeah, certainly. Look, <laughs> I, yeah I, I can echo what Stephen has said and Tony said. I, I actually enjoy watching Sheffield United because they are approaching things with a fresh, a fresh view on it. Um, they're a different proposition at home to what they are away from home. They're a decent side. Bramwell Lane's quite an atmosphere. It's nice nice ground to visit I look forward to us having a good game there and and I've got to that point now where the pressure is off we're not going to catch Liverpool if we don't do that well then we don't do that well it's kind of like you said it's quite refreshing isn't it Tony oh it still hurts (laughs) yeah it hurts but in the same way that last season was the last what three four months was incredible what we did it was also absolutely horrible Yes. The tension and the nerves and the anxiety, knowing that you have to win every single game, and as a game was a draw at half time, the Leicester game, oh, I mean, you know, <laughs> I know we only scored 70 minutes, so you still had another 20, but just the nerves. This season, you can take a, a step back and, and think it's horrible to watch Liverpool doing well and winning, but there's, there's not no pressure. But as we go into the weekend and we start kind of this round of three. Cup tournaments. We know we've got one foot in the final of the Carabao Cup that we own now, of course. Uh, we could win back-to-back FA Cups, the Champions League. We've got Real Madrid coming. So it looks as though our season is going to be won and lost on the cup competitions. And, of course, we take Fulham on at the weekend. There must be some nervousness around that, though, isn't there? So if the league's gone, is there some concern about performing in the cup competitions? Otherwise, it becomes a disappointing season for City. You don't want that, do you? Yeah, probably. Fair point. I, I think the players will, will want to win something. That's what they're here to do. They'll know the league's gone. They'll know they're one game away from another final at Wembley. Fulham, you, know, you could have had a worse draw. They're a good championship team, but 
I think we'd have taken that before the draw was made. They're a football playing team as well. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. So, yeah, the players will know that there's pressure on them to deliver because they've come here to win and that's what they're now used to. Um, and I think from Pep's perspective as well, the Real Madrid games are enormous. We know that, but that's the one thing that people can still point at Pep and go, you've not done that in the last few years. And when was the last time we played Fulham in an FA Cup tie at Craven Cottage? I've no idea either. Um, Tony, your thoughts. Your thoughts ahead of the. Your thoughts ahead of the Fulham game. Looking forward to it. I think Fulham have much bigger priorities this year, so I suspect they may well rest a few players. I suspect it will be a slightly understrength Fulham team, which will suit us. Yes, it'd be nice to see a few of the kids, and hopefully we will take it very, very seriously, treat them with due respect. But we should win comfortably, even our B team. Let's be honest. There's enough quality in that team if we have the right attitude. Let's go for it. Anything else from anybody else? Because no. Stephen's not talking to me now anyway. Um, Steve is still here. And Tony, it's been a joy and a pleasure. Oh, that's the first time you've yeah. said a compliment about me. Yeah, well, I quite Thank like you, you really. Yeah. How many years has he known you? Oh, it's, it's me dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you for listening. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks to Tony, Stephen and Steve. And we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.